0: Working from home is kind of my thing. And since I switched to a wireless plan from AT&T, I get reliable home internet on them. So you won't find me stuck in traffic or crammed on the L, but you might find me video conferencing with New York in a cleanly pressed shirt and my boxers because my wireless plan helps me be more productive at work, even when I'm technically at home and likely pantsless. Come into an AT&T store and find out how you can get home internet on us. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing. Limited Chicago offer. See store for details.
1: Blog Talk Radio. I don't know what you had in mind, but here we stand on opposing
2: sides. Let's go to war. Let's go to war!
3: This is War Wrestling Authority Radio, with your hosts, Chaotic Katie, the voice, Paul Eubanks, the dean of wrestling referees, C. Kane, and sadistic, Sean David, lock and load wrestling fans, it's time for
1: War.
4: Oh, I'd like to welcome you into the ER tonight. This is Wrestling Authority Radio, and we're not even going to get to our normal announcements that we would about upcoming shows. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, school is in session because we are joined not only by a man that is responsible... For discovering AJ Styles in Abyss But a man that is a former president of the NWA And after the events of this weekend at All In The NWA is on the rise again So we are going to talk to a man that knows all about the NWA Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome you To introduce each and every one of you to Bill Behrens Thank
0: you very much, and I feel welcome well, it we definitely hoped you would
3: be. So, Bill, thank you so much. This is a honor and privilege. You know, I've been wanting to do this with you for uh, several years now. I'm glad that uh, everything finally fell into place that we could go ahead and get this uh, to happen. Well,
4: thank well, you very I much, f-
0: and hope, hopefully, I don't, I, don't suck.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanna I wanna start things off because. Uh, obviously you're a former president of the nwa and we had something that happened over the weekend that has totally changed the landscape of the wrestling business uh not only as a whole but the nwa like i said is on the rise again because we have a new nwa world heavyweight champion
0: yes uh we do and um and and a fairly decent name in in, uh, in cody rhodes so uh it worked out, and it appears to be the plan that Billy Corgan had when he purchased the company from uh, that guy in Texas. Right. Is, um, and I'll just refer to him as that guy in Texas, and hopefully he can. <laughs> just- <laughs> <laughs> it, it, would be, it would be best for all involved if he simply uh, rules the legal master uh, uh, masterpiece area of uh, Brownsville, Texas, and leaves the rest of us alone. But um,
2: Billy Corgan's <laughs> idea,
0: and Dave Lagan is helping him, it was to focus very specifically on a title. And um, and so they decided to focus on the heavyweight title. They had a transition from Tim Storm to, uh, to Nick Ald- uh, Aldis, who's been doing a wonderful job, and then All In created an opportunity to uh, do a build and a setup and deliver a strong match and... Uh, they ended up with a new champion out of that, and there will be, to the best of my knowledge, a rematch now on October 22nd in Nashville at a show that will expand a little bit about what the NWA is now doing uh, by doing an entire show branded on NWA and, I guess, also to an extent Global Force Wrestling, Jeff Jarrett's brand. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes and who's involved and whether they'll grow beyond the heavyweight title.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, because I'm, and that's my thought.
4: the thing oh, about it is, Bill, uh, I was a former part of the NWA. I was a part of the NWA in 2009, um, and I was part of NWA Midwest. And you know NWA Midwest real well because the name I'm about to say, I know you know really well. Uh, I worked under Ed Schumann, and we uh, had yes,
0: uh, a man we miss very, very much. Uh, Although uh, we ended up with a a champion uh, at at one point, uh, to be nice to Ed, that in 2020 hindsight we we probably would have been better off doing something else. But that's an old story and water under the bridge and certainly didn't create the the, uh, debacle that occurred after Ed's passing. I'm glad, honestly, he wasn't around for what ended up happening with the version of the NWA that he and I were part from the late 90s until it fell apart, you know, what is it, five, six years ago, whatever it was. All that remember right. was with the worst it was the worst year of my life when it happened because everybody punted the problem to me,
4: uh, which Well no and No, and and Ed and uh everybody that uh, I worked with Ed right before he died. And I knew he was sick. Um Ed and I put on a series of shows in 2009 in a little town that had never had wrestling. And I had the funding for it. And I said, Ed, I want to do something out of the norm here. I said, you know, good wrestling. I had gone to his shows all over the place, all over here in Illinois, where I'm from. And I knew that he knew good talent and he knew in knowing me that I had an eye for talent. So we were one of the first companies Uh, to discover Kyle O'Reilly when he first came into the United States. And that kid now is a part of NXT Has blew mine and Ed's expectations out of the water. Because originally... He did a wonderful
0: job and he also trained uh, in a variety of of different fighting styles to get himself where he is. And quite honestly, the time he spent uh, with several tag team partners in Ring of Honor developed him for where he is now Ring of Honor, uh, while it's growing tremendously and it certainly was uh, a huge part of All In, uh, not just as a productive entity but perhaps a bit more, the um, Ring of Honor may well have developed most of what is now bringing uh, WWE to the party. If you look at the people that are, are, are on top, including AJ Styles, who, after... We left uh, TNA, went to Ring of Honor and New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling, recreated himself for two years. Uh, He was going to go back to TNA if they hadn't screwed up, uh, and Mm -hmm. instead happenstance occurred and he ended up in WWE, but it was the time he spent in Ring of Honor and New Japan that created that opportunity, much like it was the time that Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly... Uh, I can keep going because it goes on for quite a while.
3: The time they spend
0: in Ring of Honor is now literally what has created their opportunity in WWE. And fortunately, WWE or NXT, whatever the brand, um, has finally realized that they can and perhaps should continue to let the people that have branded themselves well elsewhere be that same person when they come into the WWE system rather than... (laughs) making them spanking mcmuffin or some other new name um right so if you really look at what's bringing nxt and WWE to the party now with very few exception at this point they are not stars they're creating as much as there are stars that have already been established elsewhere and in most cases ring of honor um -hmm. has been a big part of that and it hasn't hurt ring of honor who um you know, successfully sold out of a fairly substantial building in New York for a show next year without announcing one piece of talent.
4: Right. Yeah. Well, and that's another yeah. big, th- big thing for the for the wrestling game. I want to go back and touch on Ed because Ed was responsible for me having two of the biggest uh, matches that I could ever have in my company in 2009. And Steve Kane was a part of my company. He's one of my bookers. Um, we had. Steve Carino in for us. We did Steve Carino versus Kyle O'Reilly. They tore the roof down. Um, I did not expect Kyle O'Reilly to get picked up by Steve Carino at that show, but he did, and that launched Kyle O'Reilly to go to Ring of Honor because Carino put in a good word for him. He's like, hey, I work this kid. This kid brought out the best in me. Um, But we had um, on that event. uh,
0: Davey, Davey didn't hurt. Uh, Because Davey had been involved In developing him at the time
4: Right And it was was a great uh, Great match And then we had the NWA World Women's title on the line When Mischief did battle with Nicole Matthews And it's such a shame That Mischief never got to go Above and beyond where she did Because I remember the first time I saw her and I thought This woman has everything She had the work. Yeah, but
0: she also had a real, a real big girl job. Yeah, and that's from the beginning. She, she had, you know, most wrestlers have jobs until they become wrestlers if they can and become, you know, and and the industry takes care of them if if that ever happens. And like all entertainment, only a very small group of people actually make a living in the business. I'm one of one of the few that do that. Um, right. But Mischief was always, from the get-go, from the first time I met her, which was when I brought her into TNA, when I brought in uh, Delirious Matt Seidel, Daisy Hayes, Spider Nate, Prezak, uh, Chris Hero. They were called the Explosion Click, because uh, they always appeared on Explosion, and in the case of Spider Nate, always in six-man tags against three live crew. And, um, and, but she was the only one with a, a job that... She really couldn't afford to lose at the expense of wrestling. So, yeah, she should have been one of those people to break out, but she almost was in a position where she never really could.
4: Well, and that's true. And then we had, at the following show, uh, we had the NWA World Tag Team titles on the line. And that, still to this day, is one of the most prestigious titles that could ever be defended on one of my events because of all the lineage behind it.
0: Um, Definitely so. Um, I we uh, those belts got resurrected really by several teams. Probably the highest profile were uh, Rick Michaels and David Young, Bad Attitude, that were my team, and yeah. had them either oh, yeah. three or four times, depending on whether you count a phantom change in Nashville that Burt Prentice did without permission, um, but uh, or or the New Heavenly Bodies out of Florida, Howard right. Spence were the two that, right. that traveled the most and got the most places, uh, including literally the, the belts went overseas, the United Kingdom. They were, you know, for the first time the belts were relevant and to some extent world titles again, much as with the right. junior title back in the early days, it was guys like Jimmy Rave that established that, you know, credible talent that went on and did other things um, oh, yeah. that, that were at, at the time not yet, well, as well established, and really, they were able to get out there and, and make the belts relevant. So that by the time we got into the late 2000s, anyone that would, you know that had the privilege of wearing any of the titles um, actually had some credibility, uh, and right. we were doing good stuff. I mean, before everything fell apart, uh, the the heavyweight title uh, stuff that was being done by Adam Pearce and Colt Cabana, for example, was among the best stuff. And Adam Pearce ended up being the champion only because Brian Danielson got signed. So right. we, you know, we were doing a pretty good job with the the NWA at that time. And then there was this this gap afterward where stuff was different. And now Billy Corgan has an opportunity to slowly resurrect the brand, um, which he's which he's doing by focusing it narrowly, which I think is a very um, good idea because it was. Screwed up from you know uh, pretty badly well, after after we I, ended up losing it in a uh, silly court battle.
4: Well, mm-hmm. and I want to I, I want to go into this. Uh, I was not a fan of his per se. Um, it was it was all forced on me by Ed because I was Ed's you know apprentice at the time, and Ed's like, I got this guy the chic, and he's going to be the greatest <laughs> thing in wrestling.
0: Yeah, Joey Kabibo. Kib- Joey he's wonderful. Uh, Joey, unfortunately, misunderstood that uh, he was not making the title great. The title was helping make him great or greater uh, right. than he had been before. And we ran into a problem where because he was getting booked into Zero 01 Max, um, Joey mm. thought that he should never lose the title as long as he was able to go to Japan and get paid by them and unfortunately we had already made plans that were well known including to him and it led to him having a problem of, and and uh, an idiot kid that was our junior champion at the time uh, listened to Joe instead of better advice and he was a problem and they quite. I think they still have uh, title belts because uh, from what Dave Lagana told me Joe t- tried to Sell him the belt that he may or may not have stolen from us. So.
4: Oh wow.
0: So oh, I, Joe and I have made up and communicated, and I'm not in the. You know, it's no longer a problem from my perspective. Right. It, it well, wasn't time. He the was a time. good. He
4: was a good, t- he was a good talent. Uh, he got over. I didn't. I mean, uh, Steve came so into
0: uh, the gimmick, um, which yes. was part of the problem I had with him having any kind of long run is when you have a monster gimmick and you're doing a version of the original Sheik, basically, um, and you're really not the guy that's in there because you are the best wrestler in the right. world. Rather, you're the scary guy that might stab me with a fork. Um, right. And that's not necessarily the guy that you want to lead the charge as the best wrestler in the world, which at right. the time, for us, was much better defined by a cold cabana at Adam Pierce, and, right. and probably a diverse other people Somebody other
4: uh, that Somebody that has gone on to really make a name of themselves, uh, <laughs> Phil Shatter.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he was in position for that because he was national champion at the time, and we were grooming him for that, and he hadn't yet gotten his opportunity in TNA. Uh, he got a uh, Non-canned contracted spot as security at TNA with Michael Judas, uh, Mike and with another guy, kid Chemo, and they were doing the security spot where occasionally they wrestled. They were big security guys yeah. and occasionally they wrestled, but they yeah, weren't signed and that. he wasn't Gunner yet when we had the national on him, um, and he was the guy that was in line, uh, but a lot of stuff got screwed up and certainly our you know unfortunately. Position Joe took created some problems that ended up with us having to basically start over. Um, right. We had, to, right. We, had to we had to basically do a match to define a champion. I think we did it in Ohio. In fact, at the fair show that I ran. Yeah. Um, yeah. But which you know, which was a shame because it's a terrible way to go, and it's a, it speaks badly of you know the business right. when people no, understand the the business means you. Winning and losing is sort of relative, uh, but being good business means that we, you may be able to do business again. I mean, if I were go well, in 2020 hindsight, hopefully he's begun thinking, gee, what if I hadn't done that? And, you know, would I have been in line to be a two-time champion? You know, what's wrong with winning and losing and, you know. You, right.
3: Right. Well, right, Being, it's, that, it's being like, that guy right that this-
0: you put it with. When
3: you, need to, when you need to get ready to make a switch from, say, one major babyface name to another. Carry
0: an like Von, Eric the- Von Erich had the title for less than a week. Tommy Rich had the title for a similar period of time. They were always short-term NWA champions, but, but, you, but no matter what happened after that, they were always former NWA champions, and it mattered. Uh, right. Not everybody gets to be Harley Race, but then again, Harley Race, to become a five-time champion, had to lose that many times. You know, Ric Flair, to become the number of champions he did, had to lose that many times. It's part of the system. So right. it's a shame when people misunderstand well, and, and that's that what... and start looking at themselves as more important than the title that they represent and what it means. Uh, but I know, you know uh, clearly now. Clearly now, you know Nick Aldis doesn't have that problem because of the business that was done and the opportunity that was created for Cody, and Cody is a guy that believes in the legacy of the title that his father held numerous times. So right. you know, I, fortunately, Absolutely. a little bit of the integrity is now back as a right. result of of what Billy has been doing with Lagana and the videos they've been doing and putting the belt on somebody that has the look. Has, has the skill um,
4: mm-hmm.
0: And then now right. We'll see where it goes from there
4: Right, so We're right. going to te- break things up With a little bit of comedy here I'm sure you've been around the business uh, Longer than I've been alive And uh, almost longer than Steve's been around So I want to play this for you And we do these occasionally But this is one of the bumpers that we did And it's getting to be about that time It'll be that time in about February
3: Tax Rebund Promotions presents Professional Wrestling, a show that will not actually happen. Starring pictures of former WWE, Impact, and Ring of Honor stars that we're going to put on our poster just to lure you suckers into the building even though they will not actually be appearing. Featuring the pictures of the real wrestlers who will just be local jabronis that we're getting for a hot dog and a handshake. All this will take place inside of the neighborhood bar that we're getting for the cost of a case of beer and the ring will be a homemade wooden ring because no we can't afford a real actual safe wrestling ring
5: liability insurance you must be crazy we can't afford that either i'm not getting that much of a refund check back all we can really afford
3: is the beer and the posters so mommy Get my tax refund check ready and get it signed over to me because I want to hurry up and play wrestling promoter. Tax refund wrestling not coming soon to a location near you.
4: Oh, Bill, uh, you have now heard it. True or not true? Uh, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> much more true than it should be, but and it's, uh, I've, I've been frequently asked and first personally preface by saying I have admitted freely and in many interviews that I learned that I am a terrible promoter. What I am good at is developing talent. I'm good at booking shows. I'm good at producing television. I'm good at running a locker room. But when it comes to putting asses in seats, it's not my strong suit. I'm not the guy that really enjoys going and papering a town and doing the work and there, therein lies the problem of promoting its work, of getting right. people into seats to make the money. Because until you get them in the building, you're not making any money, and everything else is expense. I mean, people ask me, well, you know, what if I get the show, my, do a TV show, and get it on TV? Will that help? Well, the answer is, who knows? Because until it helps, it's all expense. Right. When people say, right. what do I need to do to be a good promoter? I say put a budget on your show, don't spend more than that, and realize you have to have the money to pay for everything before you make any money. Unless you are lucky as a promoter, which can also be unlucky, and you find some idiot um, to fund your thing for as long as that idiot's willing to do it, the reality (laughs) is it's like any other business. Uh, you you have to actually make more than you spend. It it can't even be like one of my favorite Saturday Night Live commercials, the change store, where you know we can give you for your dollar we can give you a hundred pennies we can give you ten dimes we could give you twenty nickels. How do we make our money? Volume. But the the reality is that's the problem. And I mean I am in the business of booking talent for as much money as. They want and I can get. And if I book somebody for five thousand dollars on a show, to me that means five hundred people need to go to that show and pay ten dollars for a ticket. And that only pays the fee; it doesn't pay for the flight and hotel.
3: Right. So right. That's and
0: that's that's this is where a lot primaries. of promoting falls apart. Is a lot of yeah. guys do use their tax refund or. Even if they're handed money by some idiot, they then you know like I had one guy say, "How many guys should I book to draw a crowd?" And the answer is, "Well, drawing a crowd's promotion. It doesn't involve booking anybody."
5: TNA had
0: all sorts of stars on their cards in the early years. We were doing house shows, but we didn't promote worth a damn, so we were drawing three to five hundred people at the most. And we had Kurt Angle, AJ Styles. We, We you know we had good people. We had. Christian Cage. We had Booker T. We had we right. had Steiners. We had you know people that individually draw money for promoters to this day. Uh, except for AJ, who's drawing money for WWE. But but the reality is, yeah. That the reality is, one guy well promoted is as good as twelve guys well promoted. The only difference well, and, is twelve guys cost more.
4: Let Let me ask yeah. you this. Um, because this is the way that I promote, and this is the way that Steve Kane promotes. Um, we can book $20, $20 guys all day, but that doesn't mean that those $20 guys are going to bring people into the seats. I would rather book a $50 guy knowing that he's got more draw power than the $20 guy and pay that little bit of extra. True.
0: But at the same time, you have to make sure that an audience is aware of that difference, that the fifty dollar guy is more valuable, and that the people agree, because okay. simply booking that guy doesn't draw anything. Right. until the word is out, like I said, you can have the greatest card in the world, but if you don't promote well, you won't draw. Uh, you know, now, ring of honor, for example, all in was an interesting idea. Whatever it was it created something very interesting because it sold out a really big building Mm -hmm. and to some extent one could argue that it was a ring of honor show on steroids in that there were things there that weren't on a normal ring of honor show but quite a bit of it would be the production was Mm -hmm. the primary company that it was filtered through certainly was but right. if Ring of Honor had said, we're coming in and doing a show in Chicago, as they have, they would draw up to about 1,000 people. But all of a sudden, another idea came into play, and it created an excitement that wanted people to be there, and All In became something special. Now, is it possible that as a result of what happened in All In, all of a sudden Ring of Honor could have success simply based on its brand now in New York City in one of the legendary buildings? Well, the answer is yes. It's what happened. All of a sudden, Ring of Honor's ability to draw has grown by creative promotion.
4: Well, and I think and I think, too, Bill, I think it's their relationship with New Japan. Uh, if you go back and look at their relationship a couple of years ago, New Japan wasn't putting the money that they're putting into Ring of Honor now because they're, they're wanting to be more in the United States. Well, that
0: actually, there's, there's two sides to that. The, the New Japan relationship was created by uh, to give credit where credit is due, and, and Joe Koff would agree. It was created by myself and AJ Styles. Uh, we came to Ring of Honor after we decided not to go back to TNA at a meeting in Nashville and at the meeting Alan only said one thing and that was I want to help this company grow. At the meeting I said um, that the way this is going to work best is for us to facilitate a relationship with New Japan. Some of the people in that meeting on the Ring of Honor side questioned why that was a good idea but the end game was everybody slowly got on board what that led to was AJ Styles all of a sudden became the champion in Japan very quickly he also became the leader of a faction that was popular there but hadn't really broken out much farther than that and that was the Bullet Club because he took over the Bullet Club inevitably that led to the Bucks being in the Bullet Club inevitably that led to the Bucks coming over to TNA. It ended up with Adam Page, who was being used underneath, being elevated as part of the Bullet Club. It led to Marty getting signed. It led to when Cody became available, him capitalizing on the Bullet Club. Hell, Jeff Jarrett capitalized on the Bullet Club because all of a sudden the Bullet Club became something beyond what it was in Japan. And simultaneously, both companies were benefiting by the cross pollination of talent. And both right. of them were finding success and not worrying about is what New Japan is going to do in the United States going to get in the way of the growth of Ring of Honor because one of the things New Japan has already learned is regardless of how excited Access and its owner may be, Mr. Gaban, the reality is it will take a while for a product with Japanese talent that's primarily Japanese to become a big deal in the United States on a mainstream level it'll simply Mm -hmm. take a while because a lot of the people don't speak the language well that ends up being the problem so you end up narrowcasting and different than Lucha Libre where there's a huge audience and networks that serve that audience very specifically there is no substantial comparative audience for Japanese viewers, nor the audience base of Japanese people to grow it individually. So what you have to go is try to go as mainstream as possible, and that's the synergy that that is helping both. New Japan brings some sizzle because it's people that we're not used to seeing, and Ring of Honor creates the ability to go mainstream by being in as many markets as they are with television on broadcast television stations. And right. everybody's got their own little cable thing going, or, or satellite, or whatever. Uh, right, right. They've all got their other dedicated channel in this multi-channel universe, and they've all set up they a system of online app delivery, whether it's right. through Honor Club, the New Japan Club, or Fight. So everybody's got all of this, or Fight channel to some limited extent, when you get up into mm-hmm. Canada. So there's all these... Right layers that are now doing, add into it, albeit albeit a smaller piece, but CMLL, who's part of that triad of New Japan, Ring of Honor, CMLL from Mexico, and you're now seeing more interaction. CML was sort of the bastard stepchild because they're not willing to spend as much money, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're seeing more back and forth this year than you saw the previous year.
4: Right. Um, now let me let me ask you this. There's probably been a thousand promoters that have asked you this uh, through your time, but what is the perfect number of matches on a card? Because Ed eight. drilled into me six,
0: eight. Eight is the perfect. Six is for a shorter show, but um, then you have a tendency to think that the matches should go longer, and longer matches with the current. Uh, fan base are much more attuned to a narrow audience than a wide audience. The longer a match goes, the more chance there is of losing your audience than there is maintaining it. So gotcha. uh, six is good, Write
3: that down, but if that
0: means you're doing a couple of 20, 25 minute matches, then it's, it's not good. Whereas eight and your longest match, maybe 20 minutes.
2: Right. And that's maybe
0: that a tag the- more likely than anything else simply because you can do double heat. That, right. that will help uh, the process in terms of flow. But, yeah, six to eight is it. if you go over eight, you better have a compelling reason. There was a guy used to uh, promote – I forget what he called his company. I want to say U- it was a USA company. Frank Goodman promoted out of New York, and he okay. used to book a, co- a show with like 15 matches. And one of the matches was so – he used to literally have a match that was called the Ticket Seller Match because anybody that sold 10 tickets for him would be allowed to wrestle. They didn't have to be trained. It was if they sold 10 tickets, there was a match for all these idiots to go and stagger around in the ring. And so if you were in the main event, it wasn't what time am I going on? It was what day am I going on? Literally. Literally.
2: So oh my and that's
0: the that's the opposite end of the spectrum of, you know, or you really trying to burn your crowd your crowd out. But that's the one thing promoters need to realize. Like I, I every once in a while I've had somebody go, the promoter wants to do I just had this recently with two kids I'm developing. The promoter wants us to do a sixty minute Iron Man match. And I love these two kids. I think they're tremendously talented. Marcus Cross and Griff Garrison, uh, you will see a lot of them coming up. They've already been on okay. Ring of Honor, they've already they're they're going to be stars. But no one, including me, and you know, and I'd watch them sneezing. But nobody wants to see an hour. Nobody. And so I told him, You have gotta go back and tell him you there's thirty minutes is long enough. And that's right. that's a long match.
6: Going right. an hour,
0: yeah. I mean this is not years ago where we're CM Punk and Chris Hero can bore a crowd for ninety some minutes simply right. because they wanted to do it on an Ian Rotten show. Uh, it's right, you're, and we'll you're get to him in a second. I'm sure, you, you that have a lot of, stuff, of stories and it's an ego here. trip by the wrestlers involved if they let themselves buy into it. All right,
4: um, all right. Well, Bill, we're going to play this clip and then we'll come back and talk about Ian Rotten because I'm sure you have a lot to say about that individual.
0: I've known John for years. <laughs>
4: Want to get into
0: professional
7: wrestling, but you just don't know how to do it. Well I can show you how. All you have to do is dial 1976 R A S S L E R. That's 1976 Wrestler. I'll teach you the ins and outs, the ups and downs. Everything you need so that you can just explode. Remember that number. It's one nine seven six R A S S L E R. That's one nine seven six Rassler. Make sure you call today. I'll be waiting for you. Calls to one nine seven six Rassler are twenty nine ninety five per second. All major credit cards
2: are accepted.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some people, Bill, that think it's that easy.
0: It well, no, it's not.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, as, as um, we know. I've been, I've been through, I've been through it. I, uh, I actually, Bill, I started. I, I did my training over at uh, Windy City, and. Um, for like the first month, I was the suplex dummy. I was so glad when Christopher Daniels finally joined the school because he became the suplex dummy, and I just went back to straight training. <laughs> well, um, yes, yeah, thank goodness for go Daniel. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
4: I trained with a number of people. I started in two thousand two uh in LaSalle, Illinois. Um and Sam Punk was here as a champion. Matt Seidel was here, ODB was here, Lacey and Rain were here. I mean a who's who of wrestling talent passed through this town and I got Spider uh, Nate I, Yes. Uh I got to uh I got to experience some of the greatest talent that had ever come around. But because of the growth of the NWA in 2003, 2004, I would travel to other companies over in the Davenport, Iowa area and start experiencing NWA zero limits where I got my first taste of Tyler black and a lot of those talents. And then I I went,
0: Ed Ed was good at as, as was I in another quieter, simpler time of, embracing other promoters as either affiliates or associates um, and helping them with things like insurance and other things um, where it, the system would allow growth without uh, myself and whoever the the top guy was of, you know, actually having to front the money to do the thing. Um, right. And, it, and that was, I, I think, it's unfortunate because that's changed, even though fortunately there's some growth in the independent business, but we had, a, we had a time near, by the time we got to the end of our version of the NWA and it had passed, um, I, for example, had 10 different promotions operating in Alabama, Georgia, and part of Tennessee under my umbrella, 10 wow. alone for me. And, and so there were upwards to 50-plus promotions, you know, worldwide and and probably more i'd have to go back and do the actual count uh, cuz i have the the old list but there were that many people that were promoting under the brand based on a system we came up with and nurtured through our dysfunction cuz god knows our version right. of the NWO was dysfunctional but right I, but at the same time there were enough of us uh you know ed is a good example Dave republic up in the north uh, up in the northwest me um Mike Porter uh, in the Nashville area, uh, Dave Balcom over in, in North Carolina, um, uh, Dave Marquez over in California, who is our dreamer, uh, you know who always wanted us to to be more of a TV thing than we could be, although bless his heart, he's still sticking, sticking in there. Um, wow. I, but there were some of us that had a vision beyond our little narrow area of what we were doing. Uh, and the, that era, the the aspect of being territorial about it and, and saw a way to use the areas we had to expand the number of people utilizing the brand and, accordingly, the number of shows wrestlers could do under that brand uh, to help get right. established.
4: Right. Um, now, I want to ask you this. Uh, you knew Ed for a number of years. There has been a lot of speculation over this um Ed was with me for three shows. We had lost money on the first show, and Ed knew that. Ed came to me and said, kid, I'm going to help you out. I did not ask for it. I knew Ed was sick. Ed volunteered to pay for half of the second show when we brought in Carino. Now, Ed stuck with me after that show for the third show and was given a check for the differences between my backer and his backer. Um, But there's a lot of speculation Still to this day, Bill, that I owe the Ed Schumann family money because the show lost money. I say otherwise Uh, because Ed 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 Ed
0: was um, a cranky. uh, He was always uh, the grumpiest guy at our meetings, uh, but in a very entertaining (laughs) way. And um, and and Ed was one of the most generous (laughs) people that I've ever met in wrestling in terms of, you know, and it, it. Again, it, it explains his support of of Joe Kabibo as the the sheik. Once he got on board with something, um, he was going to ride that out, and he was and he was going to push it all the way through if he possibly could. And it's one of the things we knew about it. In fact, you know, using Joey as the example, he became champion not because we wanted him to be, but because we felt we owed we owed it to Ed.
5: Wow! So, wow!
0: You know, I That's, I yeah. don't. If Ed offered to help, there was rarely an IOU attached to that. Other than if this thing continues down the line and we get to the point where you're doing well, um, there may be there may be some back and forth where you'll be able to help Ed in the future. But unfortunately, right, there's no future to help Ed with his NWA. And your potential involvement in that, such that you could reciprocate in a way that would have been meaningful to Ed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's my opinion, just from being with Ed a lot. Thank you. I appreciate
4: that, that, Bill. Because there's a yeah. lot of people. I'm I'm going to go ahead and name him. Uh, you probably know this guy because Ed was kind of high on him. But Joey Eastman claims to this day that I owe the Ed Schumann family money, and I owed, I robbed Ed out of having a headstone when he died, when he should have had it, because Ed funded my show.
0: No, that honestly, that would never be in. You know, if. Uh, assuming, assuming, you know, there's a prescience uh, in the afterlife, if there's an after- afterlife at all, um, were Ed looking down on a situation like that, A, he'd be grumpy at anyone that was saying that at some level because he would never do that. And at the same time, unless there was an agreement and Ed was always straightforward, Ed was no bullshit, he, you know, you never had right. to worry about what Ed thought. Um, right. And that was the one of the great things about working with that is he wore every emotion right out there, told you exactly what he thought and allowed you to argue with him about it. And he was passionate in his views, and he was passionate in what he did. So unless he said, "Hey, we need to create a contract and, you know, when, you know, when this is all over, we're agreeing to a payment schedule and blah blah blah." If that's what he wanted, that's what he would have done. Yeah,
6: but if he didn't exactly. do it,
0: then it isn't what he wanted. He wanted to help. He subsidize. He subsidized a lot more wrestlers than have probably given him credit, um, and literally helped them get places where they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And yeah. some have given him his due, and and others have simply gone on and and kept doing whatever they're doing and right. haven't because, you know, well, yeah. not everybody I is mean, generous in their in their praise.
3: Right. I mean, I know stories, Bill, because I worked with Ed when I first started with uh, Windy City, and I'll tell a cute little uh, Ed story in a minute, and I'm sure you've got a ton of them, um, but uh, um, where Ed would actually buy gear for guys, trunks and tights, When, you know, if they didn't have the money for it because he wanted them to have a certain look and, you know, if they couldn't afford to get that look, he would make sure that it happened because that's how much he, like you said, believed in the guys and that.
0: Yeah, very much
3: so. Yeah. So, so.
0: yeah. Ed was one of the most honest and most generous people I had the pleasure to work with. And we didn't oh, always absolutely. we didn't always agree,
5: mm-hmm.
0: but at the same time we never disagreed in a way that impacted on our ability to work together well. Right, um, he was one of the guys that whenever we were having problems in the NWA, Ed and I were never on opposite sides um, mm-hmm. about. The direction we needed to go in, and if there was a okay. side, what side was the right side versus the wrong side? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, that's you know, I, I'm yeah. I'm very blunt, uh, and that's that's been both good and bad in my relationship with various folk. And email has a tendency to make me blunter because I write succinctly, so people yeah. will read into. Limited limited language as uh, emotion, as opposed mm. to simply exactly what it says. Uh, uh-huh. But Ed was Ed was one of the easy guys to deal with. You know, uh, his yeah. Arguments with Ed were fun, as yes. opposed to why are you being an asshole? Yeah. And a yeah. lot of our guys were simply jerks. Uh, Ed uh-huh. was never one of those guys. He was the opposite of that in everything that we ever did or tried to do. Right. Well, no, you know, it's so
3: funny because, like I, ahead. because like I say, um, you know, Ed, cause Ed was actually working as a uh, manager. Um, did uh, Doctor X under the hood actually used to uh, come out on TV tapings with a uh, jacket that uh, on the back he actually had uh, borrowed uh, George Crybaby Cannon's famous uh, "I Am Right." Uh, Statement on it, but um, one time we were working a weekend uh, double shot in a couple of one horse towns here in uh, southern Illinois with uh, Iron Sheik, and we're doing the evening show, and Sheik and Ed and I did. did went, Sheik
0: have the medicine?
3: Um, yeah, he 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 had he, but he he saved that for after the show.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs>
3: but um. But you know, we're but the three of us are standing off to the way far side. We're at a fairgrounds, and this is you know, the and so we're on the racetrack with the show. But we're way off, away where nobody can see us, and we're standing there talking. And Chiki goes, look at all the mugs out there, Eddie. And Ed goes, you know, Sheik, Sometimes I think we're the mizarks. <laughs>
0: There. Well and honestly the more the, the more the industry has grown the the more that's become a truth because of the changes in the business. It's it's hard to distinguish now what is who's in and who's out and what the difference is at some level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I honestly, it, it, it's it's much, much
3: easier yeah, now
0: for anybody to try to be a promoter and it's much, much easier now for anybody to try to be a wrestler than it ever has been.
4: Oh, and that doesn't mean we've improved um, the
0: quality of either, necessarily.
4: Right, right. right. I am going to go thing. ahead and I break wish. things.
3: Okay, because I was going to say, that's the one thing. I wish that uh, your schedule was such, Bill, because uh, on the 18th we're actually going to have uh, Tim Hornbaker, and I'm not sure if you've uh, heard about his book, Death of the Territories. But I've um, heard of the
0: book, have not had the pleasure of reading it yet.
3: I'm I'm actually I'm actually uh, very fortunate, uh, Sean and uh, our other co-host Katie, who couldn't be with us uh, for this session. Um, I have advanced copies of it, and oh my gosh, I mean, he breaks down the entire situation with you know the NWA from the start of it into you know everything that uh, happened when. You know when Vince Jr. bought out his dad and everything that went on between that, it is a fantastic read. I mean, you know, well, I, I'd, I'd I be, I'll be interested to... in it.
0: I was blessed in that uh, my active involvement in the business, in terms of actual doing stuff other than putting TV shows on for wrestling companies, began in 1993. I've been doing mm-hmm. stuff since the mid '80s in terms of right. putting TV shows on. But in '93, Jerry Jarrett got in touch with me, and he wanted me to come in because at the time, again, 1993, they right. were running four towns on the regular. Mm-hmm. They were running uh, Louisville, Evansville, Nashville, Memphis, and occasionally Jonesboro. All so right. Yeah. They had four pushing five on a relatively weekly basis. You know. So you think back, and that's you know, it's a long time ago. But again. Um, It was after the rush that Vince had done, and fortunately, Jerry, having been a consultant for Vince for quite a period of time, was able to stay in business, but Jerry wanted to continue, and I was brought in to find promotion markets for Jeff Jarrett, and Jeff Jarrett ended up not wanting to promote after I got him four additional promotion markets. So all of a sudden, we changed our mind, and instead, I grew the distribution on a barter basis. It was then sublet by WWE who paid me for that and Ooh. we created a distribution that reached about 60, 65% of the country at the time when cable was less than 50% of the country. There was no small satellite dish. Uh, there were only three or four mar- uh, stations in most markets. Different time. So we were still in a situation where a territory was working at some level um, but Interestingly, uh-huh. by 1997, it was starting to fall apart because that's when the company was sold to idiots. Uh, first, Jerry sold out, uh, and right. then Jerry sold out. And once that happened, the TV station went away in Memphis. The system, or or it didn't go away, but it changed dramatically through a, a bunch of silly, silly stuff. And within three months, under new ownership, USWA was gone. But even right. after that, in 98, Bert Prentice and I got started. We're running Nashville both Friday and Saturday and started running Louisville. And so we right. were still able to do, on a lot of weeks, three to as many as four shows, up and until about 2000.
6: Uh-huh.
0: And I, I was running, you know, I started running in, in Georgia, and I was badly promoting, but running two or three times a week. So you were still able to do more for a period of time but slowly but surely the ability to be a territory dried up it just became easier or better to focus on doing one thing well or the separate way of promoting that has become popular with some which is to simply do hotshot shows here then take the hotshot show there you know which involves no build up you know it's the kind of show where you do a ladder match simply because it's Tuesday. You know, you do a, uh-huh. you put a cage up because cages draw, but not because there's an issue that needs to be resolved in a cage.
3: Okay. Different. Right, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, definitely this what you what you say makes a lot of sense. You know, and I and uh, I I just I love because your insight in this is just you know, amazing because you come from a a direction of somebody who has been involved with some talents that really have uh, blossomed out. Uh, Now, I'm going to
4: take the next seven minutes to go ahead and break this down. This is the formula that Steve Kane and I have. Um, I, I allot probably anywhere from $500 to $750 on advertising alone. And what I mean by advertising, I don't just mean posters. I don't just mean social media. I'm putting ads on SmackDown and Raw because SmackDown and Raw, as you know, Bill, is where your casual market is. And if I'm not hitting my casual market, guess what? I'm not drawing the local fans. There are a lot of hardcore fans out there, and I get that, but if I'm not drawing those casual fans and I'm not constantly trying to attract new fans, then why the hell am I in business?
0: Sure. Well, no, I there's no argument. Uh, you have to establish a base. And then if you don't grow the base, you, you don't really have a business. Businesses can sustain on doing the same thing over and over and over, but there, there will be attrition uh, in this, in once, Choi- entertainment choices grew to the level they are now, where we can sit at home and have between apps, various versions of television and the internet, thousands of entertainment choices—not not tens, not hundreds, thousands—and right. and dedicated channels. I mean, if you if you have Amazon Prime, for example, you can go in and you can go in and you can put in pro wrestling and there's an endless supply of garbage that you can watch. Right. Uh right. there's and and everybody's got their app with their endless supply of garbage. And then there's the WWE right. network with their endless supply of better garbage. And right. every, there's all of these different things out there if you're a wrestling fan. So why do I want to go to a show? One, good promotion that establishes, "Hey, there's somebody I really want to see, that'd be cool." That's a way mm-hmm. to go. Or if you promote enough on the regular, have I found a way to get our audience emotionally invested such right. that they want to be there? It's almost like this is something our family does. you know. And, and you have to have a combination of those things to be successful unless you're simply in the hot shot promotion business where you put a bunch of stars on a poster, draw your money, and run out of town the next day. It. Those are the two sides of it. I'm more involved passionately because I develop talent in systems that promote on a semi or regular basis within a storyline. I just did a show this last Saturday where I'm in a six-man tag myself at 61 pushing 62 and and delivered the finish. Of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) But we had we had a good, healthy 300-plus in the building. They were invested. I, I left before the main because I did. Uh, but at the same time, um, in the main, there was an angle where it appeared somebody was badly hurt. And the next day, online, fans are posting, wondering about the condition of the guy that was hurt.
4: Well, and that's the way it should be. That's still why this
0: is a relevant business, why this is an art form, is that we are in the business of live improvisation and willing suspension of disbelief. And when it is done well, when we can capture people's emotion, then we've actually accomplished something, and you can get those people back if you get them emotionally invested. You know, if if you have a favorite TV show you will tune in at the same time you know same time same channel and you will watch if you're not emotionally invested hey eh, you'll record it you might watch it later could be okay right but we need emotional investment you know and and wrestling also has to be a three ring circus you have to have lions tigers and bears you you have to have the clowns you have to have the spectacle but if your entire show is hardcore You've narrowed your category so much, you're only going to draw a very narrow audience. If everybody is spotty McSpot guy and right. it's all moves without story, you're, again, narrowing your audience. Right. In, in your show, a successful show has to have something, at least a couple of things, where an audience can not just simply watch the fireworks go off, but they can become emotionally invested and care or feel emotion beyond that anger, happiness. You you there has to be an emotional feedback for success. And that that's right. true in any form of entertainment. If you go see there's a lot of comedians out there that are telling jokes, but if they aren't funny, it's just a guy on stage talking. There's a right. lot of there's a lot of actors that perform, but there's some Movies or performances that register with an audience that make you feel, you know, the old adage is there's very few men that didn't cry at the end of Brian's song, you know, a football right. movie years ago.
6: Right.
0: And it's because you can get people to forget it's a movie, forget right. that it's two actors mm-hmm. playing two guys in real life and instead believe in what they're doing. And that's the foundation yeah. of what we do. And, and when it's me, done well, it's an art form. And when it's done badly, it's just a bunch of kids playing in their backyard on a trampoline.
4: Um, let me ask you this, Bill: mm-hmm. uh, There are some promoters out there that believe in no blood. I am one of the promoters that I'm, I'm not going to do blood for the sake of blood, like Ian Rotten does, because I think that's senseless. Um, Again, that's narrowing you your believe- that's
0: narrowing your your audience, and in Ian's case making an already filthy canvas fil- more filthy.
4: Exactly. Oh, um, yes. I believe that there should be a little bit of color when the situation calls for it. If you have two I, guys I believe. Are...
0: Unfortunately, now we're in a situation where I agree, and, uh, but um, red, red leads to green is not necessarily true. At the same time, we're also in a situation where I know will no longer... Tell any talent they have to do that. Okay. Um, when I finally allowed AJ to do it, or actually gave him permission, I did him. I actually scripted something that during Dusty's booking time at TNA, where one of the rare times Alan bladed, and uh, but it was in a Iron Man match with Chris Daniels, and a very good story that unfortunately Dusty changed the very end of, and it didn't work as well because it was supposed to turn Daniels heel. But at the same time, I. I agree there are moments where blood is impactful and can be used the same as any kind of, in quotations, injury that you may do. I'm simply not in a position where I can anymore, because of various health-related reasons, where I can tell any athlete that their spot is dependent on them doing that. Nor require it, there's an infamous time where the Motor city machine guns were asked to do that at t n a and refused and in theory, it got Jeff Jarrett cranky, and in theory it diminished their push, and all that may have been true
2: um, okay wow.
0: I think there's there has to be a happy medium in that, and there are other ways to get to the same place is the other thing that anybody that wants to do the uh, the blood thing. You can get there, and there's other ways to do that without it being the aggressive forehead thing that, that it was at one time that led to legendary foreheads like New Jacks and Abdullah the Butchers and even the late Dusty Rhodes, where right. it looked like a train track was on their head because of the quantity of times that had been a go-to.
2: Right, right. right.
0: It's oh, different uh, now, uh, and, and 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 there's so much more attention now to, um, and and again it leads to regulation where you have to worry about that. The more blood, uh-huh. the more concern there's going to be from government at some level, uh, and it's yeah. one of the reasons why well, you know we, we go back to we never really talked about uh, my our my buddy John Williams Ian Rotten, but he literally created the regulation in Kentucky. Um, by his activity because everybody else was doing just fine and he was doing blood and gut stuff and this was in the late 90s uh, into the early 2000s Well, late 90s is when it hit the fan because that's when I was going in and promoting in Louisville and I had to shut shut him down several times but because he wouldn't stop everybody got the regulation that pretty much prohibited the use of, of blood in the state um wow. Because of the mm. overkill aspect of it, or you go to oh Louisiana, gosh. where a match has to be stopped automatically, or South Carolina, where a match has to be stopped automatically. It 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 ends up where you you if you're not careful, the the advantage uh, and the symbolism of it becomes a problem as a, as opposed to a benefit. So it, it's. You know, it's, it's a bullet that you only put in your gun when you need to kill the werewolf. You don't put the silver bullet in unless the werewolf is there. So you have to be careful how many times you put the bullet in. And that, that literally is where we are now with, with blood in a, in a presence where, you know, governments are going to find a reason to regulate if they can at some level, particularly mm-hmm. as it relates to wrestling, and wrestling, weirdly, shouldn't be regulated but we sometimes impose it on ourselves by our stupidity.
4: We'll get to uh, that. We're going to take a five-minute break, Bill. If you want to just hang up and call right back, you can uh, use the facilities, get something to drink, uh, let the dog out yeah. if you have one, and we'll be right. back in about five minutes. Cause, uh, yeah, ladies because Ladies and gentlemen. I
3: want to discuss a show that launched a lot of top-notch careers. And no, I'm not well, talking about TNA.
4: We'll get, uh, we'll get there. I'm talking about little
3: show called Wildside.
4: We'll get there. We're going to be I back know. in about five minutes, ladies and gentlemen. You are in the ER, listening to Wrestling Authority Radio. This is an evening with Bill Barrens. We will be right back. <laughs>
8: Professional wrestling, entertaining action that attracts a crowd and provides excitement at a fair or festival. The right promotion will have professionally trained talent with professional grade ring gear and equipment. Fairgoers will want to see more of them and attend ticketed events in the area. Bringing the wrong promotion, not betting their credentials, you could end up with an embarrassing disaster. The talent may have no ring gear, little or no professional training. Aren't family friendly and perform so poorly, you'll wish they'd returned to the backyard they came from. Burned organizers won't chance bringing in pro wrestling ever again, shutting out legitimate promoters. And the fairgoers, if they want to see wrestling, will only go to WWE events. If you want live professional wrestling at your fair or festival, don't get burned. Check for credentials before you book. A public service announcement from the nosebleed seats. You can contact us on Facebook for more information. Central Illinois Pro Wrestling.
4: All right, ladies and gentlemen, and we are back inside the ER, and we are going to get back to uh, what we were talking about before the break. We are here with Bill Barons. This is Sadistic Sean David, joined with my co-host
3: the Dean of Wrestling Referee, Steve Kane,
4: And uh, we may have a couple of callers calling in, uh, Bill. Uh, We are trying to get our good friend, Paul Eubanks. He's on set right now. He's trying to be able to walk off set. He's got a couple of questions for you. He's a promoter in his own right, and I've learned a lot from this man over the years. And another one that uh, may pop in and go over some of the stuff with USDA, uh, USWA with you, excuse me, is uh, Sir Mo, who is a good friend of ours. And, um, you know, he's promoting down in Texas and doing pretty well. So it would be a good exchange. Um, but, yes, we're going to talk about Ian Rotten because Ian okay. Rotten uh, is uh, uh, hes going to Milwaukee. He's going to, I believe, New, New York or New Jersey. And, you know, I worked for Ian for a couple of times. I didn't get my payday, no surprise there. Um, but some of the matches were good. He can book good wrestling. He knows how to do it. The problem I have with Ian is he focuses so much on that hardcore blood and guts that it outweighs the good wrestling that he's booking.
0: Yes, well, that's always been the case. He, he had a he, uh, Ian had a decent run for a while because for a while, what he was doing even with the blood and, you know, with the need for him to do that on every show, was outweighed by the quantity of decent guys he had underneath. And, in fact, there was a time that I sent people up there because, called it the undercard or two-thirds of the card, but, you know, Delirious, Matt Seidel, Spider, right. although Spider did some bloody stuff, but it's still. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, you know, with, there were a lot of, you know, Punk was in there, Hero was in there were a diversity of guys that could go,
2: right. and
0: that were at the time, you know, indie darlings at some level or getting there. Right. So, and 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 he was one of the destinations at the time. Yes. And mm-hmm. he, but Ian's own problems with his ability to um, properly finance his promotion, his ability to tell the truth, his ability to be honest. Uh, there's a diversity of problems. Ian. Ian's one of the only promoters I dealt with when I was the uh, when I was the booking agent for T&A that um, bounced checks on TNA, and it wasn't even his checks because he couldn't have a bank account. It was one of his female talents' checks that bounced, wow. and she
2: oh my was God. about to
0: get a job with t <gasps>
2: and
0: unfortunately, she yeah. didn't get that job. Because the check bounced.
3: Uh, and I think, and I think we know who you're who you're referring to because uh, she's somebody that's worked for worked for uh, Sean and I in the past. Oh my and, God! And a, and a very
0: talented lady who, unfortunately, I don't know what exactly is in John's Kool Aid, because. Uh, Certainly I don't see him as the guy that can be married and have, you know, anybody on the side, but bless his heart. Um, some people drank the Kool-Aid, and next thing you know, you know, they're financing or helping, and, and it, it's never worked out well. Um, and yet he goes away, he comes back, and, uh, you know, he's it's, it's like a cockroach. There's really no way, you know, he, there's no way to kill him off.
3: Wow,
4: John Williams, um, John
0: Williams will survive a nuclear attack. Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um,
4: well, and I worked for Ian, and I went to some of his shows. One of the greatest shows of his that I went to, uh, it was Spider Nate Webb against J.C. Bailey in a Texas Death Match. Uh, but the problem with that show, it lasted five freaking hours. Five hours. How the hell do you have a wrestling show last five hours?
0: Well, you you, you have a show that, that burns your crowd out. <laughs> like we, we, we <laughs> Yeah.
4: Oh, And he had yeah, Jerry Lynn there. This was when Jerry Lynn was his champion. And I'm like, man, I would have ended with that. That would have left the fans happy. But no, you're going to go above and beyond that. We're going to, oh, my God. It blew my mind because i would never seen it before. I'm like, how in the why, why are we doing five-hour shows? And this is where I got the br- brilliant idea to book an 11-match card back in 2012. Well, Ian did it, so it's okay. No, it's not okay. That's overspending on talent. That's yeah.
3: That's yeah. That's killing your crowd with too much. I mean. When when I worked for Windy City, we would do a 21 match TV taping. Our 21 match TV taping lasted maybe two and a half hours tops. Uh, that's, yeah. Well, Well, I mean, there's seriously, no seriously.
0: Again, but know. Uh, you know, to give Ian his due, John is due. Um, John, I, when I first met John, it was it was like I said, just when I we went in and we were promoting USWA in Louisville. And he would be the guy that would try to convince people not to go to other shows. So I actually invited him to our first Louisville show that we were co-promoting with Ohio Valley, who I had just gotten on television in Louisville. And so we were trying to do a cooperation thing as the best possible way, and Ian was one of the guys promoting the extended area. He hadn't yet burned all the bridges. He was just getting there. It took him time. Um, but, you know, when we ended up inviting him and he said no But then he ended up showing up to the show and sitting in the crowd for a while And that's the closest that I was able to, I was able to get to really trying to work with him Otherwise, I booked people in when he was doing well uh, I booked people up there that he paid well Including Dusty Rhodes, that was a dream for him to do and he had moments wow. where he did a wonderful job, and then he had moments where he was one of the worst I've ever dealt with. You know, at this point, I would not book any piece of talent with him without all the money up front. That's just based on the experience yeah. I have to date with him. But we had now, to get to that.
4: Now, uh, I have. Uh, I'm going to tell you about what happened at my last show um, that I did, unfortunately, have to cancel. I'm going to break down the motions. But uh, we did show two in June of 2017. We were supposed to have Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Uh, I booked him through somebody I never should have booked him through. And I lost Bob Orton. No. Uh, Ah. I booked him through a friend of (laughs) mine that told me he could get Orton at 300. I called Orton to set up the radio interviews that I had paid for and, and done everything for. And Orton's like, hey, I don't have my money. And I was like, Bob, I was told you got your money. I was like, okay, let me take care of this. I got your money right here. Let me send it. Well, unfortunately, it was his wedding anniversary weekend. And he had already given up his plans for us to be there. But when the money didn't come, he changed his plans. So there was nothing that I could do to get Bob Wharton to come to my event. So we did the show anyway without Bob. It w- I was a tornado relief benefit. There was a tornado here in Illinois in 2017 that touched down in February of all months. And um, we went forward and we drew pretty well. And we were getting ready to come back uh, for show three. And we were moving towns because I felt the town we were running just wasn't working. And we had lost two venues, uh, one because... There were drunken, belligerent people that I didn't want to deal with because I don't drink on the job. If I'm promoting an event, I don't drink. That's rule number one.
0: And I, I don't allow that in my locker room. Uh, And it,
4: I don't either.
0: I I don't either. Any, any, any any wrestler that wants to justify the consumption of any alcoholic beverage and/or a legal substance as a justification to wrestle means that person is not a professional. (laughs) And should not ever be allowed into a ring. It, there is no, there is absolutely no argument for right. anyone to be impaired. The the argument I've heard all the time is, oh, I need a couple of beers because I'm bleeding tonight. That's one of the the famous wrestler statements. And every yes. time that's come up, I'm going, have you ever heard of an aspirin? You know, it's just right. You don't need to drink, and and right. beyond that, any person. In any form of entertainment, including wrestling, that can't take a three frickin hour break from drinking or doing drugs has a problem. You don't need so that, that person simply should not be there. You know, and, and all the guys, the legendary wrestlers that want to talk about, you know, how they could uh, they could go sixty minutes messed up. Well, bless your heart for doing it, and you're probably not doing real well now, and there was probably a short run of your career because of it. Because there's really nobody that has been impaired and is still a relevant person in wrestling or stayed well, relevant in wrestling by being impaired.
4: This is, this is what happened. Uh We we did show one, which was my comeback in December of 2016. I took four years off after I had a show where I couldn't pay everybody in full. I said, I'm not doing this again until I have all the money. So I made sure I had all the money, and then I came back. And we did really well. But we got a snowstorm. I ran in December. We got a snowstorm. I had to derail the show by 30 minutes because all my talent wasn't there. And there was nothing... I didn't want talent walking through the front door as matches are going on. That just doesn't look good. Um, So we derailed the show, and I have them getting in my announcer's faces and my face, oh, we need more money, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and cussing me out and cussing my team out up and down. And I said, this is not the way we do business. If If you want to talk to me like an adult, then we can handle this. Uh, they didn't choose to act In an adult manner so it didn't get handled um, That was the first venue The second venue uh, We had problems with from the get go The guy was just We ran a YMCA And I thought it was going to be the greatest thing for us And it ended up being our One of the biggest headaches that Steve and I Have ever had to deal with Because this guy yeah. wanted everything changed I mean he wanted to run the show I was like if you want to pay for it You can run the damn thing but until then, I'm paying you rent to rent the building, and the show is mine, and what happens is, is my ideas. Right. Um, well, we, we had a couple wrestlers on that card that thought it would be a good idea to pick up YMCA equipment and start bashing each other over the heads with it, which cost us that's for the first that's time ever. a good thing. Uh, it cost yeah, us our them. security deposit. So that ticked me off. So I moved venues. Got ready to do show three. I put $1,500 in advertising between radio, television, um, and we we had press releases to every paper in the area that I could get to cover it. I mean, that's just the way it was. Um, But unfortunately... In those
0: situations, you you simply have to do the best you can. Um, I've uh, I've had my examples of stuff not going the way it's... I had had one where... (laughs) We had a, a show in Huntsville where we had a brawl set up with Tommy Rich, Doug Gilbert, and Mabel uh, Viscera, Nelson, okay. who's passed, and um, and uh, you know we're we're in their theater and they had some tables up, and I'm walking. I decided I was going to walk around during this thing to make sure they didn't screw up and break anything. Right. And I told them all not to break anything and then, of course, bless his heart, uh, there's this moment where <laughs> they're they're both going after Mabel and he he looks behind and there's just a table there and he's teetering and I look at him and go, Nelson and he smiles and then he falls back and he breaks the table and I'm going, You asshole <laughs> You know, you you <laughs> um.
3: oh my. Now uh, what happened, Bill? What happened, Bill?
4: What happened, Bill? Is uh, we got to the Wednesday before the show, and we um, we did not have ticket money in the way that we thought, because there was a rival promotion here running twenty miles from where I was going to run, and they did all their ticket sales online, and they did them well. So I thought, you know, I'm going to take the tickets out of the retail places because we're not selling them well there, and I'm going to see if we can sell them online. Huge mistake. We had 20 tickets pre-sold. I I, I called Steve Kane and I said, dude, I said, I ain't got no choice. I said, the writing is on the wall for this one. If we press forward with this and try to run this off the gate, it's going to be suicide. So I said, I'm making the executive decision. It's got to be canceled. Um, it, it had to be done. Otherwise, I, I was going to go into the, the
3: numbers. Whole thing. Right, I looked at the numbers with him, and I said, "Yeah, we've got no choices. You know, if we if we try, then we're 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 shooting ourselves in the foot, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow that to happen."
4: And no, because we so, did that already. We've been down that road already. So right. now the new plan is I'm coming back in June of 2019. Uh, I'm working with Sir Mo. He's going to come up from Texas and help me. And uh, it's it's going to be one of those things. I believe every show or every event, because I've been taught by Les Thatcher to call them events rather than shows, uh, every event should have a tag team match and a women's match. And the reason the women are there is because uh, – I'm I'm not going to say this because Katie would kick me in the nuts if I said this, but females draw a different audience than what just male wrestlers draw, and that's that's, why you
0: need. That's actually fairly current because there was a time, and and it's weirdly not even that long ago, although it seems like it was that long ago. There's been a, a a surge in quality female wrestling that has happened uniquely over the last. I'll, I'll say five years, really. There's, there's, WWE had female wrestling, but it was one match. Now right, they'll right. main event uh, Raw or SmackDown with a ladies' match in a heartbeat. Ring of Honor yeah. has their version of that. Everybody's got their version. There was the knockout version that, that was being done in TNA. But there was a time where if you were putting a show together, you had a choice, and it was usually – Do I book a ladies' match as the novelty? Do I book a midget match as the novelty?
6: Or do I book a
0: legends match as the novelty? It was a novelty match rather than anything that really drew any real attention or money because the credibility of those matches at some times for most of the audience was limited. Ladies' wrestling for a great period of time, an extremely limited audience and anybody that attempted an all-ladies show for a great period of time failed. They There wasn't a marketplace for it. That's changed dramatically over the last few years where a ladies' match is an asset as opposed to a novelty.
4: Well, yeah. and that's just it. That's the way I've always looked at it. Um, uh, we've done ladies' matches since we've returned and, and kind of put a lot of emphasis on that. Because it's something uh, that... Yeah. I thought was going to draw more money, and it has. Uh, matter of fact, one of the things we, we tried to set up storyline-wise before you know, we kind of blew our wad and, and didn't get the money back was um, we put two girls together, and I had it end-in-a-time-limit draw. Now, the fans were pissed, but the fans didn't understand that the next time those two girls were in the same building, it was going to be no time limit. Right. We were building them, once,
3: to but once we a bigger announced match. that, but once we announced that to the fans, they were all gung ho. In fact, actually, uh, it was probably one of the most well liked matches on on the entire card. Good. So, well, which is said, why I think it, it's, which it's is different. Why I think I mean, they now now, that, now there's great credibility
0: for staging those matches and their draws. Right. Right. You now and. And but, and like, for example, back when I was when I was doing Wildside and being successful, mm-hmm. and this would be nineteen uh, ninety nine through two thousand five, mm-hmm. um, we the only ladies we brought in and did wrestling matches there were like four, literally four or five people we brought in at the most. Um, Let's see. Angel came with the, uh, the Blondes, came in uh, Persephone Angel. Um, Mickey James came in as Alexis Lurie. Um, yeah. And Daisy Hayes. And I had yeah. Daisy Hayes more often than not working somebody like Mike Posey. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, they. we literally, there wasn't a marketplace, and there also wasn't, you know, a, a large <laughs> base of, of female wrestlers that were good. For a long mm-hmm. period of time. I mean, that really—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not that long ago that that just started up. The, the the group that came in in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and there you go. I mean, you
3: talk you talk about those matches in in Wildside because I'm I was fortunate because I was because I, you know I was again I was working for Windy City at the time, but. I'm probably one of the only people that was working for the promotion that actually had access because uh, the local uh, um, UHF station, which was also on cable, uh, was using programs from the group that uh, syndicated Wildside. So, you know, I'm sitting there watching. In fact, you I know you don't remember this, Bill, but... When I was trying to get myself back running, I sent you an email because you had a guy working for you at that time that I just absolutely thought was fantastic. I loved the look, I loved the gimmick. and it wasn't it wasn't AJ, it wasn't uh, Prince Justice, although've got I've got a story about him as well. but it was a guy that was coming in, to oops, I did it again. Laz. Where Yep, good old Laz. I loved it. I mean doing like an Adrian Street type gimmick and I mean he was he was so actually Laz's gimmick audience. was
0: unique and when he first came in he came in with a trial match with Caprice Coleman. And
2: oh, wow, okay. I
0: thought I thought when Laz came in because I narrowly saw the gimmick as a quote gay gimmick, uh-huh. I thought it narrow and thought it was a heel okay. and immediately from the moment he came out dancing he got over as a baby face and poor caprice who was the baby face i ended up turning heel at the beginning and putting him with uh, the usual suspects murder one and um crap was murder one with it oh. doesn't matter but anyway, yeah, I, had, I, know, I, know I put him with that, about. and that ended up failing, I so I ended up spinning him and Sweet Dreams out as baby faces from that. But Laz got over not because he was doing the traditional gimmick, but because his version of that character was he believed in the character that he was Britney Spears. That was the character. He was not doing a gay character rather for one of a better phrase he was a transsexual he was he was the guy that what that was believing that he was the girl coming out not gay but a girl yeah exactly he came out in
3: that entire and it it got to the point where
0: he would go around the ring with very little clothing on because you know he was dressing as a girl ish, and literally guys at ringside, all of these macho, beer-drinking southern guys, would shove dollar bills down his crotch.
3: Yeah, uh, it, it got
0: to that <laughs> yeah. point where he was, and so the angles we did weren't him going after somebody because he was the gay character, but as a, it was instead, he was the girl character. Mm-hmm. And and that yep. sort of was the place, so we did, a, we did something early on with Shank where they got arrested together. We did something later with Adam Jacobs, um, mm-hmm. and we did, we did a lap dance with Onyx that literally yeah. Onyx was upset about to the point where, if you go back and watch the segment, we literally taped Onyx to a chair so that yes. he yes, could I be lap danced that. because Onyx didn't want to do the spot.
3: Oh, Wow. Now, that scene, I never I never knew that. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. Yeah, that's and, wild. and literally,
0: Onyx, if you watch it as, as Laz is lap dancing him, Onyx is trying to break the chair to get away. It was hilarious to us because oh we gosh. didn't smarten him up on that. And part of the fun of the booking process sometimes is, if you, if, you know, ask for forgiveness instead of permission at times, and the talent has right. done that with me, and sometimes it's worked out well and sometimes people have gotten badly hurt. We, we had one that I tried to veto where Slim J decided he was going to do a dive on Jeremy V, Jeremy, Jeremy Bain, on the right. outside uh, and basically crashed and burned on the apron, the ring apron, um, by doing this long dive He had asked permission I had said no because it was too dangerous And of course he hurt himself We had another one that I tried to veto That wasn't booked by me But it was something a then partner of mine uh, Steve Martin, not the comedian right. Wanted to do Which was Steve liked The ECW blood and gut stuff So he wanted to do a Flaming Tables match And it became one of the classic things That ran at the opening of our show Which we refer to as the TK broiler And the TK broiler was Terry Knight being lit on fire because the choice was made to use lighter fluid on a table that had a plastic coating. And what ended up happening was – no, not lighter fluid. They used um, – whatever they used, whatever substance they used to light, thinking it was the safer substance, ended up melting the top of the table. And it stuck then to the skin of the guy that took the bump to the point where he literally was running around our arena on fire, and we had to grab an ex- a fire extinguisher to put him out, and he had ended yeah. up with degree burns. So there are times, and that was when I, I tried to veto repeatedly during the process. Uh, mm-hmm. And then finally, by the way, it's one of the reasons. One of the reasons I ended up buying Steve Martin out of his part of the ownership at that uh-huh. was there at the time was that I wasn't. I was tired of that, and I wanted right. to get to the point where I limited the stupid stuff as much as humanly possible.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. we're gonna play this ad for you. This is a company that used to exist up here in Illinois, and unfortunately. Uh, I wish it wasn't true but uh it is Oh let me find it
3: Yeah cuz I definitely want to talk some more wild side cuz like I say there was some great stuff on there and I'll tell my abyss prince justice story after or well you know what while you're finding it I'll 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 tell I'll tell that one um, cuz bill the first time I ever worked with him was uh, right around when uh, TNA was first breaking in. I worked with him in a uh, promotion outside of Indianapolis. And um and oh, it's so funny because Got at that point, even in the locker room, we were still all calling him Justice because that's what that's what everybody was used to.
0: Prince Justice.
3: Yes. Yeah,
0: but I I mean, yeah, I, he used to show up in this body outfit uh and I, the first time he showed up He was wearing a singlet Just his body outfit And he had put on too much weight And uh-huh. I told him he was too fat And he looked like a big blue Teletubby
4: With that God. we're going to break in With some comedy here This is a former wrestling company Of Illinois That uh, I pretty much had hands in shutting down Brothers and sisters
3: are you wanting to become a professional wrestler? I said, brothers and sisters, are you wanting to become a professional wrestler? But you don't want to pay the dues of actually going through real training, going from town to town, setting up rings, putting them down, and actually learning how to do these things. Well, you don't have to, because hallelujah, You can come to Revolution Wrestling, and you can learn using our patented training method of watching Raw and Smackdown and trying to learn those moves. And if you get hurt, well, we don't have no insurance, but by golly, I'm a minister, and I do have connections with the man upstairs, and we will pray for you to get healed. Hallelujah. Now, if you want to become a professional wrestler and amaze and entertain your family and friends, we guarantee that you will be able to be a professional wrestler within just two weeks using our patented training methods. So come on down, join us at Revolution Wrestling, that's right, Revolution Wrestling, where we don't train by the normal methods, we like the backyard way best. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, and pass the offering plate because we need
4: your money.
3: Amen.
4: Oh, how I wish that was not true, but it was. It was pretty <laughs> much. It was pretty much a wrestling company run by a church, but it was a backyard company. Oh. And let me tell you something, Bill, there are probably two or three backyard companies running in Illinois, and we shit on them all the time, because I do not put up with it, I don't agree with it, there there are a few companies running down in southern Illinois that think that they're trained, and they were trained by somebody that shouldn't be training people, and it's just one big freaking mess, and it's going to become one big vicious cycle. I'm not one of the promoters that just cares about my company. I care about the, st- the the state of the business as a whole, not only in my state but around the region, around the globe. Um, I want to talk about something real quick, Steve. That I don't know if Bill Barron's may have had hands in, but uh, there was a there was a situation that happened about a year ago that had a lot of talent that I think you would book on the card. And we named this show Disaster in Dudleyville, Georgia.
0: Uh, i need more info to be able to tell you, but uh, yeah, I don't remember that's, booking anything specifically the to one,
3: that. That's the one where they brought in uh, Del Wilkes, um, Paul Orndorff, uh, Oli, and a bunch of the guys, and then uh, he didn't have the money to pay them. And, in fact, Paul uh, wound up uh, confronting the guy at the hotel. There's even uh video Oh, I remember, yeah,
0: I remember, the sto- I remember the story. I forget who the promoter was. that Ron Gossett that did that one?
4: No. Uh, no, I no that was uh, I don't, oh, I don't God, mean is... I don't
0: mean the Ron Gossett from Tennessee. I mean right. the, the one that calls himself the shooter that's gone to jail no. uh, for
4: Green, yes. what he did.
0: Green was the guy
3: Yes.
4: He, Jerry Green. Uh, well, Greg Green.
3: Greg Green, there it is, yeah.
0: Don't I don't remember uh, that.
2: But uh, no, you there's, there's, most, there's
0: always there's always those wonderful people that create problems for <laughs> the industry in general. They they unfortunately I mean there's the, the, the Greg Gagners that uh you know, that promoted <laughs> his face.
3: Oh god Oh God, you mentioned Dale
0: that, that promoted, that promoted, uh, Dale Gagner, that promoted as a fake Ganya and got sued by everybody and sort of acted like, hey, I'm an alcoholic, what do I know? You know, it's just, it, there. there's there's always those guys that are going to be out there that, um, and they're still out there. A kid that I'm helping right now was just approached by Dale Gagner saying, hey, kid, I can make you a star. And you're going, what? How, how you know? At this point, you can Google your name. You are you are not anybody.
4: You know. I got to break in here because Dale is a part of a wrestling company, or uh, is giving the AWA name to a company that is running about twenty miles from me. They decided they are going to run in an all ages. Are
0: stupid enough to accept anything from somebody where you can Google and find out that he was sued by Vern and and lost. And sued by WWE after they bought the brand and lost. If you are dumb enough to still believe that he can deliver a brand he's never owned, then you deserve to be ripped off. And anybody, um, and anybody and I have no sympathy for the person. Just fine. Then then let him let him be an idiot. If you don't have the brains to go online and Google the name of the person you do it's what I tell people all the time when they deal with me. If you don't know who I am and you don't want to trust me, Google my name. It's all you have to do. And you'll find uh, out everything you need to know and I have no problem with everything you'll find out. Right. right. Exactly. Now the thing right, about there's...
4: this company is they decided they were going to run an all-ages show outside of a, a field next to outside in a field next to an adult film store and a strip club.
0: Sounds like a perfect environment to me. There's a training school down <laughs> here in Georgia that's right next to a strip club. It's a perfect environment. And boys again, boys. and again, you know, there's always yeah. been a strong correlation between strippers and wrestlers because quite honestly, wrestlers get into the ring half naked and strippers that strippers that's what strippers do for business. So there was a history years ago where a lot of wrestlers dated strippers because they could relate to each other. <laughs>
3: Right. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, I you film. For years at Windy City, one of our primary sponsors was the uh, strip club known as the Admiral Theater. So <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. On our annual Battle of the Belt shows, we uh, used to, at uh, intermission, have a bunch of the girls uh, out there doing a uh, choreographed dance routine. Fortunately, they were dressed, but still. Now, <laughs> <laughs> and to this um, to this
0: to this day, if the WWE you know allowed it, the hoe train would still be popular. If the Godfather <laughs> came to the ring, and, <laughs> and for years when they were in the Attitude area, they went from town to town and literally just brought in ten strippers to walk to the ring with the Godfather, as if they were his hoes. I mean, there was a there's been a strong history even in the top end of our business to. That correlation at some level. And, and not something that I think is a good idea, but it, it's understandable that it happened. I mean, heck, there's a, a decent number of, of male wrestlers that were strippers, you know, and fewer now than ever. You know, now it's not as much. But there was right. a time where there were guys that transitioned from that, literally, into wrestling. Uh, You're know, like, oh, it sounds like a logical next step, you know. Yeah. I guess I have to put clothes on for it, though, huh? Yeah. Right, exactly. You have to wear pants, yes. Yeah. yeah but yeah. they can be little pants. You don't have to wear right. a lot of pants, but you have to put something over the naughty bits.
3: Right. Yeah, that's one of the stories about, and I'll, I'll say it, he's a friend of mine, you know, but I never asked him. I was smart enough not to ever ask him, but uh, Buff Bagwell.
0: Yeah, uh, Buff Strips. Yeah, Buff was one of the guys that stripped. There's a lot of guys, there's a lot of the guys. Uh, sexy Sean Casey was a stripper. You know, he was out of that neck of the woods. You know, he wrestled over in, in Kentucky and stuff, and and I he was a you know a stripper. There's the, a lot of guys yeah. that were strippers that ended up Sean into the business, good and bad. Yeah. Uh, there, I I'm not aware. Uh, I'm not aware of any strippers that other than Buff, I guess, at some level. But most of the strippers didn't get as far as. Guys that actually came from legitimate athletic backgrounds in reality, but there was that group. I mean, much like there were, you know, a reasonable number of ladies from that time. And again, because women's wrestling wasn't a big deal, a lot of the girls were making their money doing, you know, pseudo porn on the side. You know, hot lady on lady stuff was a was a big thing. I mean, Howard Boom Boom Brody. That's part of what he did. You know, in his glorious wrestling career is, you know, a lot of, you know, ladies doing private matches kind of stuff. I mean, heck, the wrestling magazines, you know, we were talking about ladies wrestling. Wrestling magazines used to be the apartment wrestling in the back, you know, two scantily clad ladies or a lady doing a submissive wrestling with a, you know, submissive guy kind of stuff. There was always that in wrestling. It's less now. Now, ladies stuff's more legitimate. Now... If you had a porn background, it's a problem. And the the other area where you know guys and girls have to be more careful is, you know, not getting too excited late at night on social media and showing their parts off. You that's (laughs) that's now the transgressions that occur. Yeah, Seth Rollins. (laughs) He's he's on a long list. Yeah, there's there's Uh, a long list of guys that and girls. That are just dumb and huh. decide that they need to chronicle their stuff in a digital medium and then share it, and then they may not share it with the right people, and then it ends Bingo. up online. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah.
4: Um, I'm going to you know, play it's this It's not last necessarily little doing ad.
0: the stuff that's the problem. Not that I'm saying that I'm encouraging anybody to do anything and tape it and put it online because it, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Social media should be used to enhance a career everybody is their own business every wrestler should think of themselves as a business otherwise they're a hobby and if they're a Mm. hobbyist realize it and stay out of the way of the people that are serious about it but if you're in a business everything you do online has to be to maximize that business and to put it over that should be your primary focus so when you are a guy lonely at night yearning for your girl and you decide it's a smart idea to shoot your wiener, it's a bad idea. And you probably (laughs) shouldn't do it. And if you do it, you probably shouldn't share it with anyone. You should go, oh, I did that. I guess I'm over it now. Because even if you share it with your girl, she's probably going to dump you, and she's then going to throw your wiener online. So (laughs) the, the key advice is everybody in wrestling... Use social media only to enhance the most positive aspects of yourself and be careful to throw your wiener up there. Yeah. Yes.
4: <laughs> we're going to play this last <laughs> yeah, ad, and then we're going to take uh, final questions for Bill Barron's because uh, we are running out of time here. So this is our last little ad. Uh, this happens sometimes, Bill, in the wrestling business. I hear about it more than not. Have you ever wanted to become a wrestler, a referee,
5: or a manager, well then you got to come and join us at Welfare Wrestling. We got some of the best trainers around. They've trained at Northwest Georgia Championship Wrestling, Southwest Florida Championship Wrestling, Alabama Championship Wrestling, and all them other there championship wrestlers. And we charge $10 worth of food stamps at our weekly shows behind Myrtle's trailer park. And that's what you will get paid—food stamps. That way you can come and wrestle, and then you can go over to Floyd's and buy yourself that T-bone steak for a dollar fifty. So come on down to one of our weekly training sessions—Monday nights, Wednesdays right after church, and Friday nights. Come to the training camp right behind Goober Piles Gas Station, maybe Area RFD. We'll be looking forward to seeing you. Y'all come down now, here.
0: Yeah. By the way, as a as a proud Southerner, well, even though I was born in Vermont, as a proud Southerner, I, the generalization on this being uh, exclusive to uh, the inbred South, if there is an element of truth to it. But at the same time, uh, it is it permeates throughout our great nation, uh, and and there are equal opportunity idiots in pretty much every state in this fine country. So, good news, if somebody wants to be taken advantage by the wrestling training business, there is a place for you to be abused pretty much across this fine country.
4: Right. (laughs) And in that process,
0: we are making America great again. Yes.
4: (laughs) Well, because that's one of the biggest things, that's one of the biggest things we we drill into people is to ignore the backyards and uh, one of the things that I was taught, and I was taught this very early on, is that if you don't have a trainer that's been to the dance, you're not getting to the dance. Uh, there's there rare, you know. There's a five percent. There's a five out of ten percent chance that uh, you are going to make it if you don't get trained by somebody that is legitimate. It's a fifty-fifty chance.
0: There's, there's a there's a yes and no on that. Uh, here's the truth about training the basics of training can be done by somebody that never made it um, because the basics of training are the basics. If they are trained well by the limited talent of the person training them. And by that learning to bump, learning to lock up, learning to chain, learning to hit the ropes, learning the basic moves. That's necessary because there is a mindset in wrestling. And it's part of the process of development of wrestlers is if you're once you get to the point where you're not thinking about what you're doing and you're just doing it, you're, you're finally a wrestler. Until then, if you're thinking about it, you're not. You're something else. You're getting there. You're fixing to be, as we say in the South, but you're not quite there. Um, so any trainer, even a guy that, that was enhancement talent, you know, once, can probably get somebody started. But as, as AJ told people in many a seminar – It's what you do after the basic training. If all you do is stay with the guy that only knew as much as he trained you, then, yeah, then you're never going to get anywhere. But if you take that limited knowledge and find a way to get around better people and learn, then you can. But, again, there's the difference between people that are a a hobbyist in our business and people that are trying to be professionals. And there is a huge business – A lot of people, and it's a lecture I give, a lot of people in wrestling look at themselves in a clown mirror uh, where they will be skinny or fat in real life, ugly or not in real life. But they will look in a clown mirror that distorts reality. Skinny is fat, fat is skinny. Handsome is, is, is ugly, ugly is handsome. And they'll look at themselves and they will see in their mind a star that doesn't exist. It's the clown mirror thing. I've had a lot of guys that you look like a big piece of toast. I've seen at seminars, and I'm sure the guys that do them more regularly, like Les Thatcher, have seen tons more. But you'll see these guys that you look at them and go, there is not a chance in hell anyone would want to pay money to see you. Literally, why would anyone pay a dime to see you? You are ugly. You're a big piece of toast. You're terrible. And that guy will will sit there and ask the question, What do I need to do to make it in this business? And you're going, you can't. You're terrible. You have no talent. But there's an element of that, and it permeates the underbelly of our business. They're the guys that will only be somebody where they are already. The key of developing yourself is to get other places. Find a way to enhance. Austin Theory, who's breaking out right now, has done so. By doing good stuff in Georgia and then getting other places. And anybody that it used to be the same back in the day. Jimmy Rave got a Getting other places. Bad attitude. Getting other places. Steve Carino. Getting other places. You know, it's this first time Steve Carino was supposed to go to Puerto Rico, he couldn't go because he had a problem at a show in North Carolina when I tried to book him there for Dutch Mantell years ago. Everybody's had that growth process. But those are the guys that are trying to get someplace. There's Fifty percent or more of our business that say they want to be stars and are literally pissing in the wind, and I, I hope go home and know that because yeah. that's that's part of it. Much like there are really terrible comedians, and then a few that I'd pay money to see. Yeah,
5: absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, oh, okay. I get. I gotta tell. I
3: gotta tell you the tell you the. Uh, Justice Abyss story. First but, time I first time I ever worked with him, and it was with Sean Casey, speaking of. Um like I say in this sexy promotion outside of Casey. Indianapolis. Give him his, give him yep. sexy. He yeah, you're right. Sexy Sean Casey. I mean the long hair and the uh, two inch lifts in the inside and the of the very small
0: pants. He was wearing small pants before they were popular.
3: Yes. Yes, indeed he was. Well, the ring we were working in was what I refer to because it's really what it was a Jerry Lawler wreck. In other words, the turnbuckles weren't the padded turnbuckles that you know, we're all used to. The turnbuckles were balled up duct tape. And Chris and I had set up a spot where um, and, we, and we were working with Wildcat Chris Harris too. I'll, I'll give him his props and we had and we had done a thing where um i was in the corner it was going to be a uh, look like i was going to get uh splashed by harris he stopped and then and then chris park runs in and he winds up splashing me in the corner to this day i have to i have to give chris park all the credit in the world because he took, a, he took and gave me a bump in a ring with turnbuckles that should have literally cracked my spine into pieces, and I my back never hit a one of those things.
0: Yes. I, the, I took yes. Uh, an, a finish from Abyss on a wild side show. Um, he's a sweetheart. Now, he, he's, if anything... Uh, Uh, He's had both a great career. He had an opportunity when uh, both he and A.J. were offered deals. Golly, I don't want want to screw the year up, but let's say it was 2007. uh, And both turned him down. A.J.'s was a little bit more of a downside, but at the time we didn't think that he'd be pushed as a top guy because of his size. And a bit just got influenced by Dutch and by Jeff who made him feel guilty because – that's him, and he okay. um, he ended up re-signing, which which you know, and he's had a good career doing that. But there have been various times where Chris could have gone to WWE, but his nice side of him probably got in the way, and he was yeah. able to be influenced because of that. But not that it hurt him, because he's you know stayed he stayed with TNA till the end, and was in the creative he was in creative at the end. So you know, right, he, he got a lot right. of respect, and he's an agent now. Exactly. show So he's one of the respected veteran guys and deserves yeah. that because he worked extremely hard at, in getting developed. But he was one of those guys that, that uh, it's a shame he didn't get a run because there was at least a glimmer of an idea that he'd be a guy going against Taker or Kane uh,
4: mm-hmm. coming
0: in. And, and that would have uh, been cool if that had happened for him. Yeah. We got to take like a that.
4: brief moment of silence because I just witnessed uh this just came across my screen. Uh we have lost Mate Hatred.
0: Yeah, no, I yeah, actually that was a couple of days ago, bless his heart. He was in a car accident.
4: Yeah. Oh my lord.
0: Yeah. Uh, which is so I, gonna... I hate to say good news. Um but we have so many tragedies still that are tied to abuses and mistakes, and an accident is certainly a mistake, a car accident is certainly a mistake, but it's one that, that that we can all relate to more positively, I hate to say, in someone's passing than somebody that overdoses or had right. abused their body so much over the years the body gave up on them, which is what's happening to a lot of guys from the 80s, where the abuses of that time finally catch up to them, and all of a sudden you see vibrant people passing out at young age, I'm again, I'm 61 pushing 62 and people younger than me passing away bothers me. Um,
5: but when they pass
0: away because of their own self abuses, that's, that's really unfortunate because it's, you know, particularly the ones I've known. Um, and there's been a lot of that that's happened. Um, and and it's just a shame. Fortunately, the new generation of talent with exception, because there are always exceptions, um, but the new generation, their uh, focuses outside the ring are entertainingly much more games and social media. I mean, my previous, you know, putting your stuff online, your junk online, comment. There's more guys that are really going to make that mistake than there are being become, having a pill problem. The pill problems now occur not because of social activity but because of the way medication is distributed by doctors after injuries. That's how most addictions that come or or abuses that come out of pills and drugs now are based on doctor stupidity over prescription. You know, the ability to get more and then perpetuating a a habit at that Whereas it used to be come in by simple recreational use. So that's one of the nice things that's happened in the overall business is the amount of kids that come in Predisposed to simply party their life away has diminished.
4: Absolutely.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. So that's yeah, that's that's something right uh, right there, Bill. And you're absolutely and you're absolutely right on that. My gosh. You now, um, well, let's yeah, let's go ahead um, before we before we wind up. Uh, Completely losing our uh, time here, and I obviously I'm going to have to split this up for uh, uh, purposes of being able to put it on the air uh, live on Wednesday when we actually play this. Uh, Yes, we're recording this uh, on Monday, folks. Um, On Labor Day, we're working on
0: Labor Day. Go figure. Yeah,
3: I know. Tell me about it. My gosh. but let's talk about your uh, about your current project, um, Anarchy, which um, is being run out of, ironically enough, Cornelia, and is yeah well, it's uh, now run on, uh, out of fight.
0: what we call the Landmark Arena. It's uh, with the the arena has been renamed. It's the home of AJ Styles. We're not shy about that any at all, and nor is Alan. Um It is a unique environment and. Um, Yeah, Uh, there have been a diversity of people that promoted as anarchy. Anarchy is the company that followed Wildside. When I left Wildside, I was. uh, Vince McMahon required when I went to uh, development at East South Wrestling that I I get out of doing um, Wildside. And, uh, of course, the the Deep South thing lasted only three months because it was just badly put together and and it ended up exploding as a result and everybody regrets it. But regardless, I got out quickly because it was a nightmare and I wasn't allowed to do my job as written by my contract that I had written for WWE. So if I can't do what my contract says, I need to get the frick out before it gets bad because I don't want to be the inevitable total heat guy. Um, So I left that to joe hamilton and to a lesser extent billy debott and i got the crap out because i couldn't work with them um but when i had to do that anarchy was created and its original owner rick michaels has now taken back over and in between that some wonderful people kept this thing going and for most of its existence i ended up coming back and being the booker or co-booker well actually co-booker almost always with a young man named todd sexton um, trained at the Shawn Michaels School. And Todd, who also now books uh, Southern Fried where I perform and get to have a good time, has become a tremendous uh, talent in terms of creating shows and booking and the, the art of, of putting things together. But Anarchy started, it first Jerry Palmer came in and took over because it was a short run for the, for the early uh, ownership. Jerry Palmer came in, had a great run. Uh, that's where Gunner was, uh, was there and, uh, and all of the other—and uh, Consequences Creed, who, you know, is, uh, is, is now doing fairly well as somebody else. Um, yeah. But we had all those guys that we were developing again, and then um, real life came into Jerry Palmer's life, and then a guy named Franklin Dove came in. And it was during that period that Dash Wilder, uh, Stephen Walters, was created, and various other people were created under that regime. Uh, And then Franklin, real life, came into play, and he had to move. So he's in Florida, and then um, a short-term thing happened that wasn't anarchy that failed, and then all of a sudden anarchy's back. And what's really nice now is that I'm easily uh, entertained by being able to do something to get out of the house. So once they got going, there were upgrades, dramatic upgrades done to the building uh, in equipment and also internally in its look. From the outside, it's it's terrible. From the inside, it's a wonderful place. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, back when he first looked at it, when I left to go to Deep South, the initial plan was I was supposed to do the TV one place and the training was supposed to be another place, and that, that didn't happen, which is what made it fail. Uh-huh. But the first place we wanted to do it was in that building. And Tommy came in, uh, I forget who else from the office was there, I want to say Fit came in with him. And um, okay. Fit had also been there to work at a, a WrestleMania match with, with some of the girls. So they all knew, the, and they looked at the and said, this place is freaking awesome. Except Vince would, if we ever brought Vince here, he would want to kill all of us. He would never want to be here. Mm-hmm. It's too small. It's too, it's not big league. It's not Vince. And mm-hmm. fortunately, that mentality's changed with NXT. But at the same time, at the time, that was a big deal, which is why they had to find another flawed place to go into. But this arena is special, and now under the current ownership, it's been upgraded, it's digitalized, it's big league um, mm-hmm. at, at, a, at a small level, but the look is finally right. back to what we want it to be. We just changed, yeah. we're doing some business with Powerbomb, we still are, we're now doing business with with Fight, the same people that Impact play with and that ROH play with, we wanted to be someplace right. that mattered. So I put a deal together there. They're running our pay-per-views, uh, and the first one did pretty good. Uh, not great, but pretty good. And the TV's yeah. just gone up. We've branded the TV uh, with a name we like, which is Hype. Um, right. And the Hype uh, TV, I think, is solid. We're running old Wildside stuff for fans of the Wildside days. If you want, to, particularly now, we're milking AJ stuff because WWE hasn't bought the library yet, so I'm going to run it first. Uh, <laughs> there so, you go, man. Smart move. Yeah. So, you're, if, if you're interested in seeing some of the stuff that, like, uh, this week or last week, last Thursday, we're on Thursdays at eight on Fight for the TV, and then it's on after that for free uh, whenever you want to watch it. Um, right. Yep. But we put on AJ winning the TV title from K Crush, Ron Killings, our truth, um, back in 2000. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see A.J. in 2000 win a a title, that was the first title he ever had, that's on the last TV episode. The next TV episode, we're going to have a match from 2004 where A.J., managed by Larry Zabisco, who was then his manager at TNA, Mm -hmm. take on Ron Killings. Uh, Larry then comes and does commentary, and that's a rematch four years later. With, uh, you know, Ronnie had by then been the, you know, the first African-American NWA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, had already accomplished great things and, you know, obviously went on to do greater. Allen was a multi-time NWA champion at that time himself. So, yeah, it was, right. you know, and here they both come <clears throat> back to the Landmark Arena. So we're now creating, you know, now we're creating new stars. But Marcus Cross and Greg right. Garrison, the guys I mentioned, they're in... Marcus is tag champion because Griff was injured with Seth Delay right now. Seth used to be Kid Cool in Wildside. Um, okay, yeah. Sal Renaro still involved. Sal, former uh, oh, Ring of Honor tag wow. team champion with Tony Mamaluke, who used to be in Wildside. Sal is still yeah. involved. In the company. We're developing guys like Ike Cross, great young guy who's who's going to go mm-hmm. places. We you know we had um, you know uh, the the uh, Austin we had Austin and we had. Um who are we do of course we got uh, Logan Creed is doing great now Michael Judas is back um, who was uh-huh. in T&A for a while as Murphy you know so we've got mm-hmm. this diversity of young people that are coming in doing a wonderful job and a lot of the guys literally that date back to the wild side days that are still involved and still moving right. the product forward right and I love and these the are guys that all went plate bill. and came back
3: right well, let's say I love the look of the studio because as soon as I watched, as soon as I saw it, my first thought was Techwood Drive. Exactly yeah. what it reminded me of. Yeah, there's an of.
0: element of that. Techwood yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Drive, Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Yeah, there's an element of that, although that was even more upscale. Ours is really, the, the arena, I mean, there's, there's, it's still, you don't go into a paved parking lot there. It, you know... When I first went to the building, there wasn't internal plumbing. So oh this, this my is gosh. a unique wow. environment in wrestling, and its legacy of time. This place was first run in 1997 Yep. on a regular, and in 2018 is still running on the regular. Yeah, very buildings that have that kind of legacy. The ECW mm. Arena doesn't have that legacy it started after us literally
3: yep yep exactly for
0: a well if you count all the pro television i've been i've been involved in out of that building there's been more hours of consecutive consecutive television than any independent ever literally ever the only one that comes Mm. close is ohio valley that i put in the tv business by putting them on tv There you go. And they were around, they began right around the same time. So the only guy, Danny Davis was the only other guy, and now Al Snow, who owns it, were the only Mm -hmm. guys that kept up. Everybody else went out of business, no matter what their run was. Um, And that's the unique feature of that building. It's, you know, Al Snow's got the advantage too, but they moved around. Ohio Valley was in a variety of different places. They didn't have the same building. Everything that's happened, right there, that little teeny building in Cornelia, Georgia, the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere.
3: Yep, yep. But it's a honestly, but it's, it's it's a, a, it's a Mecca. anybody
0: listening, if you ever wanted to have a pilgrimage, if you just happen to love pro wrestling, and you were going to take a pilgrimage to something that's historical, it really, and, and quite honestly, you can come down, you visit Cornelia. And just a few miles up the road is Helen, Georgia, one of the great vacation places in America. Uh, it's a, like a German-themed city. Very cool. You know, another go another area. You're on uh, the Chattahoochee River. You know, go another area. You're in Athens, Georgia, and you can go to a Bulldogs game. You know, and we're in the middle of that, but so teeny. If you drive past, you'd glance over and go, oh, does it say wrestling? You know, it's... It's that mm. it's uniquely that place, but there's literally I there's no environment in wrestling I'm aware of that has subsisted that long in the same place and is still ongoing. I, I don't know of any other. Somebody can probably correct me, but I don't know anybody else that's doing it in the same building. Mm. Almost everything has either I'm, been torn down or replaced.
3: Yeah, i got to say, I'm not aware of any, you know, in the almost 30 years I've been doing this thing. So you're... Definitely, you're definitely, as far as I can tell, on the money and that. And it's so.
0: still a $10 ticket, you know.
3: It's, it's wow, the South. there you go, man.
0: I always there said you in the go. South, you had to figure out, you know, when you were promoting, you had to realize. Like in the North, uh, uh, a piece of talent can sell a picture for, you know, $10, $15, $20 signed. Mm-hmm. In the South, there are rare opportunities in a normal show you're going to get that, that kind of money out of these people because... They, they have to factor in rent child support potentially beer and food mm-hmm. in whatever they brought to that show so you're scrambling to get money out of these people I mean back when yeah. I first started promoting I actually made money at the gimmick table now it is they are picky as crap <laughs> in, in in the south North uh, you know because I, I can tell when I when I send people for signings in different places, in the north, people make a ton more money than they do in the south.
3: Okay. Wow.
0: But that's, our, that's the area. Good news is if you ever want to come down and watch wrestling down this neck of the woods, we don't charge a lot, and our expectations are low on what we expect from you. So low mm-hmm. pressure. If you want to spend money, we love you. If you don't want to spend money, bless your heart, sit here and enjoy the show.
3: Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, um you know, I know you're probably gonna wanna relax. Um, I'm definitely gonna get back in touch with you because uh, our anniversary is gonna be coming up in October and uh, I would definitely like to My uh, My
0: birthday's my birthday's October.
3: Oh wow, excellent. Well I definitely will definitely and obviously of course knowing, you know, what your uh, personal situation is, we you know, have to do another uh record like this again but uh we definitely want to get uh get you on um our anniversary shows so i will get back in touch with you and we will definitely set something up because um, i mean i could sit here literally i could talk i could talk to you all day bill because i mean
5: absolutely
0: if you've survived this long although hopefully you do cut it up um if if you happen to be a promoter and you want to consider any of the talent I represent, fortunately, they make all the decisions. I simply facilitate. That's sbibookings.com. S is in Sam, B is in Boy, I is an idiot. Bookings.com. And um, if you want to check out what we're doing down here, we're on Facebook as Landmark Arena, Anarchy Wrestling. Uh, I think we have one called Why We Wrestle. I am on the Facebook. Uh, So it's easy to connect with what we're doing down in this neck of the woods. And, you know, good news is a lot of uh, talent that's going to be seen. Uh, Because one of the things that will keep me involved in this as I get older is my only job is to find what's that next level of talent. I've had the pleasure of being involved with a lot of people that are substantial now. And AJ's mm-hmm. an example But he's not the example There's mm-hmm. lots of people That I've had the pleasure of oh, yeah. being involved And lots of people I still do That I could sit here and go Well I did this guy and I helped this guy And I'm helping this guy and I'm doing that guy But all that if you google It's there um, <laughs> well, But the reality the is we'll It's still that. happening And the people now that we're working with At Anarchy Are going to be Not all of them but a large number are going to become stars, and they're going to be people you're going to see. The Austin Theories of the World came out of that building that are out there now performing. You know, Matt Riddle you know, came in, did shows in that little building. He obviously now has, you know, just gotten his deal with WWE, which is great. Um, but, you know, the Marcus Crosses and Griff Garrisons I'm helping now, they're going to be seen beyond the Ring of Honor where they've already gone. And I can keep going with Logan Creed and Michael Judas, and there's just so many people that are going to break out. It's not will they, it's win will. It, it's win. It's yeah. not will, it's Absolutely.
2: win Yeah And, and, and that's definitely,
0: going to be the process, so that's a reason right. to pay attention to what we're doing. And and, uh, and check out the TV that's on Fight, you know, which is a pretty big deal, and it's free. Right. And, and see what you Absolutely. think, and then communicate right. with us through our various social media and let us know what you want, what you see, what you like. You know that's what we would like our fan base to do, and it's well, part of the process. I do because I want the people we're dealing with now to be the people they see in the main event at WrestleMania.
3: There you go. Well, I'll tell you what, Bill. I definitely would like to, you know, maybe have uh, you know some of your guys uh, get in touch with me because. Uh, would love to get them on for interviews as well, so that they can, you know, talk about their own careers, as well as, you know, obviously uh, putting you over like they, like they darn well should. So, um, well, no,
0: that's not, a, and honestly, that's not important. But it's nice when it happens. I always pitch at Alan <laughs> that he never mentions me. But you know, they'll, they'll do a documentary on Alan on the network, and I won't be mentioned at all. You know, so I've I've learned to live with the fact that. My job is to create the help create the star. My job is not necessarily to get over in the process.
3: Well, there you go. There you go. Well, I say just you know um, have some of your people. You have got my email now. Um, have them have them contact contact me, and uh, we'll definitely make sure that uh, we you know, get them set up. All right.
0: Great. And when you post whatever we've done, let me know.
3: You got it. I will. I will. Uh, I will shoot you a link to this uh, when uh, uh, when we air it on uh, Wednesday night. So, Bill, thank you so much again. Um, Please don't forget look, the bumper. <laughs> well, like I say. Thank you. I mean, thank we'll, you we'll, get, you, we'll get you in August or in October. Duh. So. Good. Fantastic. Right, you guys be Thanks, good. Enjoy all.
0: the rest of your Labor Day.
2: You too.
3: Thank we you. Shall. Thank you so much, Bill. Bye bye. All right, wow, this has been absolutely fun, Sean. I tell you, I've I've really enjoyed every every minute of this. And uh, honestly, you know, if we had the time, I could keep going. It's uh, you know, I'm obviously we know Bill could keep going, and that. But uh, you know, obviously, we are up against time constraints. And uh, when I edit this uh, for uh, the broadcast itself. That it won't, you know, be too awkward on an edit point. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, remember our uh, Tuesday night show, Tuesday night turmoil, um, live every Tuesday night at uh, ten nine central, and of course we'll be back here live next week, um, and it's going to be it's huh. going to be great. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it uh, as much as uh, we've enjoyed doing this. I am the Dean of Wrestling Referee, Steve Kane, along with my erstwhile business partner and co host,
4: Tabistic Sean David. We will see you all next time. Have a good night.
1: Closing time One last call for alcohol So finish your whiskey or beer
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic,
4: featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1.
0: Offer NZ1618 after 1312020. 30, pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay one who limited commercial plan for eligible smart account MHS. Reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit. and 3 activation. Fee video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply.